The Forum at 8 on SAFM. It's nine minutes after eight. You're invited to give us a call today. 0891-104-208 is our hotline number. You can also SMS us on this number, 34701. Cost you two rand. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, AM Live on SAFM, and continue the conversation there. This is what we're talking about today. Justice Minister Jeff Khadebe says South Africa will not be used by foreign governments to wage attacks on their dissidents. Now, this latest development comes in the wake of an alleged attack on the former Rwandan army general Kayumba Nyamwasa's home in Johannesburg last week. South Africa's diplomatic relations with Rwanda and Burundi strained at the time and has since seen tit-for-tat expulsions of their diplomats. South Africa implied that Rwandan intelligence officers and a Burundian diplomat were part of a wider plot to kill in Yomasa. On the Forum at 8 this morning, we're asking you this question. Are our diplomatic ties with Rwanda and Burundi a threat to national security? SMS us on add a cost with of two rand to this number, 34701, or give us a call right now. The lines are open, 0891 At the start, I must say the Justice Department has been invited to speak on this show. We're still waiting to receive a confirmation from them. Hopefully they will do so during the course of this program. We have about 50 minutes or so to get a response from the Justice Department. We'll wait to hear from them. But until then, I do have two guests on the panel to talk to us today. In studio this uh, morning, I've got Dr. Weston Shilahu, who's uh, a fellow associate at the African Diplomacy and Foreign Policy at the University of Johannesburg. Dr. Shilahu, thank you very much for joining me. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. Also joining us then on the line is uh, Dr. Becky Mkomezulu, who is a senior lecturer and academic leader for international and public affairs in the School of Politics. He's at the University of KwaZulu-Natal. Dr. Mkomezulu, good morning. A great pleasure to speak with you. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Let's, let's start with, you know, for lack of having the Department of Justice on the line, let, I thought we could perhaps start with the history of the relations that we have with these two countries, taking us through where we are today. And hopefully at that point we've got the Department of Justice to join us, to update us on what the current situation is. Dr. Shilawi, let me start with you. What, what are our relations in the past with Rwanda and Burundi? What have they been like? Thanks, Mudli. The relations between South Africa and Rwanda have been cordial. You remember that uh, South Africa and Rwanda uh, in 1994, that was like a landmark year for both countries. Mm. Now, South Africa holding its first uh, democratic elections. Uh, post-apartheid and Rwanda just uh, having experienced uh, one of the most horrendous human rights violations, genocide in 94. So they had to overcome that history and they've been working together in partnership and South Africa has helped Rwanda in rebuilding the nation in terms of training manpower, in terms of reconstruction of the country, the institutions that were destroyed and apartheid. So they've really worked together. Uh, the same thing with, uh, between South Africa and uh, Burundi. South Africa really played a great role under the uh, first uh, democratically elected uh, uh, President Nelson Mandela and then uh, uh, President Jacob Zuma took over in mediating the Burundi peace process and uh, reconstruction of that country as well. So they have got cordial relationships. And to that effect, uh, it's, it comes as a surprise that things could uh, get to where they are currently. Well, let's uh, speak to Dr. Mgamezuli as well. Uh, before 94, Dr. Mgamezuli, what was the relationship like between South Africa's apartheid government at that time and the countries of Rwanda and Burundi? 
Uh, thank you very much for that. Uh, historically, the relations between uh, South Africa, apart from South Africa, that is, uh, with the rest of the African continent, was not generally good, simply because most of the African countries came to South Africa's rescue, that is, uh, the liberation movement. They supported the liberation movement, and therefore the apartheid government had to weigh its options. First, it had to look at uh, the possibility of uh, ostracizing a number of African countries, uh, and then, uh, on the other hand, it trying to bring them on board so that it keeps them away from the liberation movement. So then the apartheid government then uh, had a case 22 situation where, on the one hand, it wanted to befriend uh, most of African countries, but then at the same time uh, make sure that it keeps them at bay. So then it was playing that uh, very tricky role. Now, uh, with the advent of democracy, of course, this had to change because uh, uh, the new uh, the government, the government of national unity led by the African National Congress, had to look back at its history and then look at the relations it had with the rest of the continent, including Rwanda, Burundi, and all other uh, frontline states, that uh, these are the countries that, in fact, helped South Africa uh, become a democratic uh, country in 1994. Therefore, the relations uh, had to be good, which is why then, uh, 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 as Dr. Uh, just said, that uh, uh, after 1994, then uh, relations between South Africa and Rwanda, South Africa and Burundi, had to be uh, consolidated simply because they had working relations long before the advent of democracy in 1994. Mm, a very interesting history between uh, South Africa, Rwanda, and, and Burundi as well. Give us a call. We'll open up the lines to you now. 0891104208. Setting that up as the history of our ties between uh, Rwanda, Burundi, and of course South Africa. What do you make of our diplomatic ties right now? Are they a threat to national security? Are our diplomatic ties with Rwanda and Burundi a threat to national security? You can give us a call on this number, 0891-104-208. Tweet or Facebook the show, AM Live on SAFM. And SMS has come through on this number, 34701, Kasi Turand. We're still waiting to hear from uh, the Department of Justice on this show to give us some clarity on what is exactly South Africa's stance right now towards both Rwanda and Burundi. Dr. Shilaho, with you know, with, with the absence of the Department of Justice right now, is it clear to you in your mind what the South African government's stance is towards both of these countries? It's it's nuanced. It's a nuance. <laughs> well, that's not answering my question as well. It's, so it's not clear. Is what is that what you're saying? It's you see, South Africa cannot afford to come out categorically mm. clear and, for instance, condemn Rwanda. That will not work in the best interest of its. Uh, of its uh, geostrategic uh, aspirations in the rest of the continent. So, which why, if you read the, the statement by the Minister of Justice, mm. it's, it's, it's cagey. You know, reasons do not come out clearly. So, it's, it's, it's the way diplomacy works. Because if they were to state categorically that Rwanda, for instance, is a rogue state and has uh, 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 breached, you know, South Africa's sovereignty and what have you, that, that, that may uh, hurt the relationship between South Africa and Rwanda, and it may, for instance, uh, hurt South Africa's, uh, for instance, ambitions when it comes to peace consolidation in the Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo. And you know, Rwanda is also a very influential state in the Great Lakes region and the East African region, and so they wish not to get to that extent. Well, let's, we've got Joe on the line. Perhaps uh, Joe has uh, an idea of whether we have a clear stance or not. Joe in Durban, good morning. 
Good day, Darcy. Okay. You know, my comment is not only on Rwanda. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, even this morning, just uh, on your show, there's a man who came out saying, you know, every corner of the country there is a foreign national. Uh, you know, it shows that the, the lack of understanding most South Africans uh, do have in terms of who a foreigner is and what are they doing here. Uh, are there any South Africans outside the country, you know, and what relations do we have among countries? You know, national security is a threat because if it's not on the level of government, even the general populace doesn't understand the relations between the the foreign nationals and South Africans themselves. You know, that becomes really a problem. Joe, thanks for that call there, Joe in Durban. Dr. Mkomizulu, what's what's your response to Joe? And I'm going to add to that. uh, Are you concerned that with a lack of clarity or at least the nuanced uh, version of of what's coming out from the Department of Justice, as as Dr. Shilayu says, I mean, with with this lack of, of, of... you know, detailed information, is it going to give rise to xenophobia for these, these sort of putrid comments that are made about foreigners who live in South Africa? Uh, thanks for, the, for that question. No, I, I think there are a couple of points uh, mm. uh, we need to be mindful of. Uh, the first one is, if we were to ask this question to a layman on the street, the answer would either be a yes or no. But then if you ask people in the Justice Department or ask people who work in the Diplomatic Corps, they will tell you that the answer is not clear-cut, simply because uh, there is something called national interest, as uh, Dr. Shalawa was saying. So there are national interests. So before you can make a public statement, then we have to consider all these possibilities. Now, in this case, uh, my view is that the Department of Justice uh, gave us a cogently coded statement which is in line with diplomatic relations because they can't just come out openly and say Rwanda is totally wrong or Burundi is totally wrong because the way diplomacy works is that uh, once you are uh, sent to a particular country to represent your country, you are the face of that country. But then in an event where you do something untoward, not the country, uh, um, I mean, it's, it's not the country that is uh, painted negatively, but you also as an individual. But now, because of these dip- diplomatic relations, you have immunity, diplomatic immunity. Under normal circumstances, these individuals who have been expelled would have been incarcerated. But because of how diplomacy works, then the only thing you can do is then declare them persona non grata, basically meaning that they must go back, which means Rwanda and Burundi can still send in other individuals other than the ones that have been here because the ones uh, that were here did not uh, invade the toward the land as it were. So, mm. so, so basically, there is a difference between the two. Then maybe my last point, uh, on, on this issue of uh, the possibility of uh, the revival of the xenophobic attack, when this thing happened in 2008, I remember when I was hosted by one of the radio stations in Cape Town, I was asked uh, what, what was my take on, on this xenophobic attack. My first impression was that, or my first response was that, in my view, these are not xenophobic attack as it were, but they are negrophobic attack. Because the difference between the two, xenophobic attack, I mean, xenophobia in itself means that you hate someone of a different nationality regardless of the race of that country. But in the case of South Africa, what we saw happening were Africans being targeted, basically black Africans being targeted by black South Africans. So that can't be xenophobia, in my view. That was negrophobia because it was targeting a particular racial group. Even the few Indians uh, who were uh, victims, 
they were mistaken for our African brothers uh, who are coming from mm. Somalia. So that was the yeah, that was my take, and I still maintain it at this point. Dr. Mgamezulu and Dr. Shilawi are joining me on the panel today to talk about uh, Rwanda and Burundi. Are our ties to them a threat to our national security? Three four seven zero one USMS hotline, AM Live on SAFM, Twitter and Facebook. We'll take more of your calls right after this. Twenty one minutes after eight. Dave, where have you been, man? Been moving house. Didn't you move last weekend? Yep, but I was helping the neighbours out this morning. Ah, what a mission. Not in my Nissan MP200. Make every trip fantastic in a Nissan MP200 1.6 base. Now at a fantastic 125222, including a canopy. And if you don't need a canopy, your dealer will structure another fantastic offer. T's and C's apply. Offer available exclusively through Nissan Finance, a division of West Bank, a division of First Rand Bank Limited, an authorized financial services and credit provider. Nissan, innovation that excites. As a business owner, do you often find yourself tied to the office, managing payments, when you should be out there working on the next deal? With the NetBank App Suite, this doesn't have to be the case. NetBank has designed an app specifically for business so that you can manage your banking wherever your business might take you. Viewing statements, authorizing batch payments, or adding beneficiaries are just some of the tasks you can now perform securely on your mobile device, which means less time in the office and more time to drive your bottom line. It's the kind of solution you'd expect from a partner that understands your business. Download the NetBank app suite today and make anywhere, anytime business banking happen. NetBank is proud to vote small business. We're an authorized financial services and credit provider. Terms and conditions apply. Make things happen. NetBank. Hey, mom, hmm? do you know that dad used to tell me that the two of you are military veterans? That's true, my son. If it wasn't for your sacrifices, we wouldn't be talking about 20 years of freedom today. Oh, that's so sweet, my boy. Today, I'm one of 200 military veterans' dependents who studied on bursary. Mm-hmm. And I'm aware that 5,000 military veterans get healthcare services, and about 1,171 jobs have been created for military veterans. I know. How do you know all this again? Thanks to you guys. Lack of information is now a thing of the past. <laughs> <laughs> Call 012-765-9349 for information on the new home of military veterans or visit dmv.gov.za. Working together to restore dignity, honor, and empower military veterans for nation building. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Give us a call right now, 0891-104-208. Are our diplomatic ties with Rwanda and Burundi a threat to national security? We must state at the outset that the Department of International Relations and Cooperation has been invited to participate on the show. They've declined to comment on the matter or to take part in the discussion. We've also invited the Department of Justice, Minister Jeff Khadebe, as the chairperson of the Justice, Crime, Prevention and Security Cluster. We're still waiting for a response from the uh, Justice Minister on our topic today. We do have Khotatso on the line. Khotatso from uh, Pretoria, one of our callers. Good morning. Yes, morning. morning I think I would like first like to deal with what I see as misrepresentation of South Africa's response because one of your, your guests suggests that South Africa is coy about responding in an outright fashion because it doesn't want to offend Rwanda because apparently Rwanda is very influential in uh, the Great Lakes region and this might affect South Africa's geopolitical ambitions. I think that is incorrect. Mm-hmm. Let, let me give you the first example. South Africa was very instrumental in establishing the Peace Enforcement Brigade that is deployed in the east of the PRC. And that was to directly deal 
with groups that are seen by many as surrogates of Rwanda. Mm-hmm. So there, South Africa confronted directly Rwanda through its surrogates, and Paul Gadame did everything he could to try and oppose uh, the formation and deployment of this brigade. So that's the first example of South Africa dealing directly with uh, Rwanda, where it felt that Rwanda was not acting in a manner that is consistent with its obligations. Mm-hmm. Secondly, South Africa has dealt with this issue directly. Remember, there are two other cases of individuals in this country who have been arrested, who are facing trial, who are suspected to be agents of Rwanda who came here to assassinate uh, 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 people. But the important thing also to understand is that South Africa is not at odds with Rwanda, the country. South Africa will not generalize. South Africa will deal specifically with individuals and groups that are seen to undermine our sovereignty. So it's not about Rwanda. It's about the actions of individuals and groups who should be brought to account for their actions. And if the South African government appears at odds with the government of another country? Come again? If, if the South African government right now appears at odds with the policies of another country, does that not, do, does that not color the, the waters here and, and suggest that South Africa has a problem with that country? No, no. South Africa has not gone out of its borders and mm. did, done anything that is wrong outside. South Africa is dealing with individuals and groups who break the law in South Africa and it would be unconstitutional and irresponsible for our government not to decisively deal with such elements. so thank you very much for that call. Dr. Shilahu, I, I, I saw you taking down notes, copious amounts of notes as he was talking, so I hope you can respond to this. I'm going to ask this question, because Khotatsu makes this argument that, that there's a misrepresentation of whether we're at odds with the country or not, because yes, we have these long-standing disputes and our fights against terrorism and rebels in, in, in Africa, and we see us at odds with the Rwandan government. Here's my question to you. What is the thinking of the Rwandan people? Do they think that the South African government is at odds with them, is at odds with their government, with their president, with their policies? How do they view our decision of expelling diplomats from our country that, you know, originally were their citizens? I, I wouldn't know what the Rwandan people think, but I would imagine um, out of sheer patriotism or something like that, they would, they would be alarmed that the diplomats were, were expelled. But I think if the reasons were given and they were to understand as to why the South African government took this decision, because if you remember, the Justice Minister quoted the Article 41 of the Vienna Convention, mm-hmm. whereby diplomats are not supposed to breach the rules and regulations of the host country, and the premises are not supposed to be used for illegal activities. That's what that article says. So what it means is that South Africa has got incontrovertible evidence that these expert diplomats engaged in some untoward behavior and becoming of diplomats and a threat to the relationship between South Africa and Rwanda. And do you think we're ever going to be privy to those details, perhaps intimate, delicate, polit- politically delicate details, I imagine, as well? Do you think we're ever going to know? I doubt. I, I doubt whether those those will come out in the open. I, I, I doubt. Why why not? Dr. Mkomazulu, perhaps you can answer that. Why won't we be trusted with that information? Why won't the government take us into their confidence and tell us and share with us this information that warranted such a serious decision? Being read the riot act effectively uh, is what the minister did, did to Rwanda and Burundi there. Uh, thanks. Uh, yeah, there are two issues here. 
Uh, one is the question we're asking, but then the other one is the distinction between uh, uh, individual uh, Rwandese and also uh, the government. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe let me start with the latter. Sure. Uh, with regards to uh, the distinction between individuals and government, first of all, uh, we must uh, ac- uh, concede that uh, if we're talking about Rwandese, we're not talking about a homogeneous group. We are talking about people who are divided between those who support, uh, as you said, uh, President Paul Kagame, for instance, and those who are against him. <clears throat> and then, obviously, the ones who are against uh, uh, Paul Kagame are basically happy uh, with the current uh, state, uh, state of affairs where uh, Rwandese diplomats have been kicked out of South Africa because they are saying that uh, they've been complaining about this thing, saying that uh, uh, President Kagame's government is sending individuals to South Africa to come and eliminate those who are opposing him. But then those who are on his side see this thing uh, as basically uh, indicating that the relations between the two countries are not good. Uh, then, of course, uh, you, you, I mean, this will escalate even within government itself. You may find that there are people who have different opinions. But then, uh, with regards to us being privy to the... Doctor, we'll, we'll come back to that, because I know that's the, that's the answer I'm also waiting for, whether we should be privy to that information. And I'm going to also be asking whether the information we have already means that this has been a long time coming, whether this decision that the South African government has taken against Rwanda and Burundi has been a long time coming, and what was that tipping point that we reached most recently? What was it that caused us to turn uh, and finally make this decision? Those are the questions I'll be putting to my guests right after this. It's 8.30 now, time for your news headlines. Here's Vibakshini Chessy. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. 25 minutes to 9. We're still waiting to hear from the Department of Justice uh, to respond to our question today. Are our diplomatic ties with Rwanda and Burundi a threat to national security? I'll read out some of the comments uh, that were made by the Department of Justice most recently. Uh, But Dr. Mkamezula, I was asking you that question. Will the Department of Justice ever share with us uh, the details of exactly why they made this decision and what was the tipping point if this was a long time coming? What was the tipping point to take this decision against Rwanda and Burundi? Will we ever know? And should we know? Uh, thanks for that. Uh, I, I think we're not supposed to know. Uh, the, the problem in South Africa is that we seem to take democracy too far, and we want to know more than we're supposed to. Uh, the way the security cluster works is such that uh, there is information that, uh, that they should go out to the public, but there is information that is not supposed to reach the public eye, but then you will only see through government's actions that something has happened behind the scenes. And that is in the interest of the security of the country. So now, uh, the contents of uh, Article um, uh, 41, uh, which Dr. Shela was referring to, and also uh, uh, the, the, the Geneva Convention, and also Article 9 of the Diplomatic Immunities um, and Privileges Act, is something people can have easily have access to if they read. But then there are certain things that happen behind the scenes which government is not obligated to disclose to the public, but they will only act on those issues and the, and the public will only see the actions of government. So in this case, uh, the assassination of Patrick Karagaya, in fact, was something that was out there in the news and everybody knew about it. And then people started asking questions, how, how come that an individual can, or individuals can come from outside the borders of the country and kill somebody within South Africa? And then, of course, that uh, raised some questions about our security uh, cluster. Then they had to, to be on the alert. Now, in this case, 
they, they, they basically prevented a similar incident happening uh, because uh, uh, Kayumba uh, had to be relocated because they had information which the public had no access to. So basically all I'm saying is that the Department of Justice is acting in the manner it should and then of course the public should not ask for more questions. They should be happy that the government is doing something while at the same time uh, keeping the relations between these countries uh, stay relatively good, so to speak. Well, what do you make of that? Give us a call, 0891-104-208. Uh, the Justice Minister told journalists on Wednesday this. He said he wanted to send a stern warning to anybody anywhere in the world that the country would not be used as a springboard for illegal activities. Here's a quote from Minister Khadebe. He says, we're a constitutional democracy and any individual or groups of people who abuse our human rights a dispensation will face the full might of the law. He added that despite the expulsion of the envoys, diplomatic relations between South Africa and Rwanda remained intact. Dr. Shlo, how does relations how do relations remain intact between two countries when South Africa expels three of yours and you expel six of mine? Precisely what I said earlier. That, uh when you read the statement, there are more questions than answers. But what it means, South Africa, the message he's sending across is that uh, these actions, as in the attempt against uh, Faustin Kayumba Nyamwasa, uh, could be attributed to the behavior of some rogue diplomats who may not have had sanction from Kigali. And that's why they were expelled. And so they wish to ensure that their ties with Kigali remain intact and that Kigali is at liberty to deploy uh, other diplomats to take over the uh, uh, positions that were left vacant. You seem to be neatly wrapping this up as a Christmas present. It sounds very simple. Just tie it up, send our diplomats back home, and the problems are over. They're not over. They're not over because they wish to, they wish to thrash out these issues uh, Outside of uh, the public domain. So it'll be behind closed doors. Yes. Will it be at the AU, for example? Where will they? Where will this fight actually happen? I don't think it will reach at the AU level. Kigali and Pretoria can 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 talk over this matter and find a common a common position. Uh, Dr. Mkamazulu, is there? Let's take Rwanda's argument for a second, because we have talked to quite a bit about the Department of Justice and us locally, what actions that we've taken and, and why we've decided. But let's look at Rwanda's argument. Uh, there's been a number of Twitter messages from uh, uh, Rwanda's good foreign minister, Louise uh, Mushikwabo, who took to Twitter earlier this week to address the concerns of Kigali. Uh, she says uh, the people raised uh, this question. Rwanda's fugitives are living in South Africa, that uh, Rwandan fugitives continue to engage in terrorist acts back home, despite repeated promises from Pretoria that the problem is Unres- the problem goes unresolved. Is there merit to Rwanda's argument that South Africa is harboring terrorists, Dr. Mkamezulu? Uh, the, the Rwandan government, of course, uh, may have not uttered this uh, statement out of nothing. They, they, they have uh, some facts. Whether those facts are correct or wrong, then it's something that uh, can remain debatable. But the, the, the point they are making here is basically that uh, they are returning favor to South Africa because South Africa has kicked out three of its employees and then in return they are, they are kicking out six of them. And the, 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 the point they are making, or at least the impression they are creating, is it, not simply that uh, 
South Africa is harboring those who are against the, the, the Rwandan government, uh, but who are now staying in South Africa. They are also creating the impression that uh, uh, the, the South Africans uh, officials in Rwanda may be harboring some of the individuals who are then used by those who are in South Africa to then uh, wage attack uh, on the Rwandan government. Whether then there is evidence thereof, we might also not have access to that information because the, the Rwandan government uh, is not obliged to put that information on the table. But the, 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 I mean, the accusation they are making is that basically what South Africa is accusing Rwanda of is the same thing that the Rwandan government is uh, accusing South Africa of. So then, uh, as Dr. Shilawi is saying, then the, the, the discussion needs to happen uh, at government level between the Rwandan government and the South African government. Uh, none of uh, the regional blocs or even the AU should be involved in this issue because it involves two countries. And also, uh, these countries are aware uh, of the content of Article 9 uh, of the Diplomatic Immunities and Privileges Act. So then if, for example, an individual from Rwanda were to come to South Africa and commit crime, the South African government has a right to arrest the person. But then if that individual uh, comes as a diplomat, then of course it's a different ball game because the only thing the government of South Africa can do would be to send this person back and then still allow Kigali to send its envoy uh, to South Africa. So basically then it's a tricky situation, but then some of the information may not come out in the public and then Rwanda and South Africa have to resolve this issue speedily because uh, other countries might join on either side of the equation. We've got Amir on the line. He's the chairperson of the Somali Board of South Africa. Amir, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Dakshin, and how are you this morning? We're doing well this morning. I imagine that you've been listening to us for the last 40 minutes or so. What's your reaction to this? Uh, Dakshin, I've got two quick things. One is actually the xenophobia that I've been mentioned, and quickly on the issue of actually the Rwanda. From the Somali perspective, we welcome the decision taken by the Department of Justice and the Minister that any diplomacy who actually misuses the immunity given the South African government have all the right to actually expel them. It's not only Rwanda or Burundi, but I'm talking generally any actually diplomat who misuses. I say this as a friend of the Rwandan community in South Africa. There have been a lot of actually issues that have been ongoing and that undermine even the sovereignty of South Africa. And this is the issue that have affected many. The issue of actually the killing, the inhuman and brutal killing of uh, Lieutenant Colonel uh, recently, Karagea, and the recent actually incident, and the one that involved actually General Nyamwasa in the South African soil is actually a very regrettable. I have heard a lot, and even recently when we had actually a meeting with the delegation from the U.S. Uh, Bureau of Migration and Refugee, the Rwandan community concern was that actually the spies are within actually the embassy, and they are not even actually getting the protection needed, because they are even hunted not in South African soil, but even on the bordering country. So, in short on that, we welcome the decision taken by the minister, and anyone who actually misuses his immunity in this, in this government soil, we actually say the, the decision taken was actually well. 
Thanks for that call there, Amir, the chairperson of the Somali Board of South Africa. We'll still take more calls if you'd like to give us a call on this number, 0891 uh, Still another 15 minutes or so left on the program this morning. Tweet us on AM Live on SFM, SMS us on 34701. These come through. Uh, Pizzi saying, anyone from anywhere who puts the security of the Republic in danger must be expelled and or arrested. So that Africa comes first. Uh, here's another SMS. Yes, it is a threat to our national security because it's discrediting the credibility of our national intelligence security. Nsikana Tutulwana tweets us saying, uh, you cannot discuss SA-Rwanda relations in isolation. You also have to take into consideration SA's role in the Great Lakes region. A very important point there. Uh, Eddie Tobala Udendalzris says, as Africans, we shouldn't allow leaders who push their self-interest by using petty personal conflicts. And Teko says, foreigners don't like citizens of South Africa. Teko, where do you get that from? Uh, she says, or he says, uh, but they love the country itself. South Africans show many times they welcome everybody who comes lawfully into our country. Teko, an interesting comment there. Dr. Shilawa, I wonder if you would like to respond to that. Thanks, Vishni. Uh, one point I wish to make is that that's true. Because uh, Rwanda had made requests to South Africa to extradite uh, these uh, so-called dissidents who are resident in South Africa, or be relocated to another country. South Africa argued, no, they can provide security for these people, but they would not extradite them because they didn't believe that these people, if they were to be sent back to Rwanda, they would get a fair trial. So that's the bone of contention. And, and I'm sure many of those ministers are thinking back to their days in exile when they were in exile in other countries and if those countries had decided to send them yes, back yes. to an apartheid government to face uh, justice, in, quote, un, you yes. know, in inverted commas, yes. justice. Yes, so it, it, wouldn't, it, wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't work. And uh, the Rwandan uh, foreign affairs minister, when she talks about terrorists, actually she's referring to these dissidents in exile who are accused of... Uh, a series of grenades that were were thrown in Kigali a mm. couple of years ago, and also they are they are said to have formed an opposition political party, and these are former close allies of President Paul Kagame, so they really know each other, they know one another very 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 well, and there are some issues that Kagame, for instance, fears that these people may. Uh, may uh, share with the rest of the world, with the rest of the public, because if you remember, uh, it's reported that uh, General Kayub Manyamwasa is said to have uh, said that uh, Kagame, for instance, ordered the shooting down of the the, the plane that was carrying um, the former president, uh, Juvenal Abiramana. So they're close people who have worked together. Mm-hmm. They know one another. They, as it were, have got very close issues uh, and that therefore uh, Kigali unfortunately feels that the only way to deal with these people is to 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 assassinate them or remove them as it were from the face of the world, something which South Africa takes great exception to. We've got more callers uh, holding on the line. We'll start with Israel in Cape Town, but if you'd like to give us a call, do so right now. 0891 Israel in Cape Town, good morning. Hi, Dashini. Hi, Israel. Good morning. Uh, good morning. How are you? We're doing well this morning, Israel. Thank you for nice show. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so glad with uh, what South African is doing. You remember, 
as the president of DRC, Laurent, was killed by this Rwandan group going to DRC. It happened that when he found out that it was a lot of Rwandans in DRC which came to take control mm -hmm. and he wanted to expel some of them. But after expelling them, the relation was not so good. Mm -hmm. So what the South African government is doing is great. Otherwise, these people are going to cross the border and do the same thing as they did in DRC. Israel, thanks for that call in Cape Town. We've got uh, Advocate Mantula also on the line. Advocate, good morning. Morning, Dushin. Dushin, I think this issue is very important considering that the issue of uh, Rwanda in South Africa has been long coming. The issue is to work around our uh, issues of security cluster. The issues of how do we look at the renegades and the rebels who have come out of Rwanda coming to this country. Intelligence has to be tightened, Dushin, because I think that's where there were challenges in terms of some of the people who have been coming out of Rwanda, DRC, Burundi, post-1994. We have not looked into that area. So it's very critical, and yes, we should look at issues of immunity. How do we revisit our laws of giving immunity to people who work in the foreign missions? Because that issue of the foreign missions as well is people who are working there, they've got conflict of interest when this issue comes, so it's very critical that South Africa has to take that stand because in some instance it's been blamed of been harboring fugitives and even criminals. So I think in short, let's tighten our foreign intelligence so that we can deal with this uh, element fashion. Thank you. Advocate Mantula, thanks for that call. It's 10 minutes to 9. I'll wrap up with my guests right after this. Stay tuned. South Africans are making taxis and buses to supply the growing public transport system and break the reliance on imports. 300 new buses and more than 17,000 minibus taxis were assembled locally, creating job opportunities and growing our manufacturing industry. The Presidential Infrastructure Coordinating Commission. Together, we are changing lives. As a business owner, do you often find yourself tied to the office managing payments when you should be out there working on the next deal? With a NetBank app suite, this doesn't have to be the case. NetBank has designed an app specifically for business so that you can manage your banking wherever your business might take you. Viewing statements, authorizing batch payments, or adding beneficiaries are just some of the tasks you can now perform securely on your mobile device, which means less time in the office and more time to drive your bottom line. It's the kind of solution you'd expect from a partner that understands your business. Download the NetBank app suite today and make anywhere, anytime business banking happen. NetBank is proud to vote small business. We're an authorized financial services and credit provider. Terms and conditions apply. Make things happen. NetBank. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. South Africa says we will not be used as a springboard for illegal activities while Rwanda claims that we are willing to harbor terrorists in our country. I appreciate Advocate Mantula's call because it helps us get into the last few minutes of the show and I wanted us to ask the question, how do we move forward? What's the, where do we move forward? What's the way forward? And Advocate Mantula is saying perhaps we need to tighten our foreign policy, revisit our laws around diplomats. Uh, Dr. Ngome Zulu, what's the way forward for you? Yeah, thanks. Uh, I think the way forward is very tricky, especially when it involves South Africa, because for some reason uh, there are individuals across the African continent who still feel that South Africa owes the entire continent. 
in a way, they have a point because our liberation movements operated in uh, throughout the continent. So therefore, now that you are free, they consider South Africa to be a home to them. So then they they, they basically claim a stake in South Africa's uh, um, uh, uh, liberation, which is not totally wrong. But I think as a way forward, the, the, the first thing to do would be maybe from uh, our regional and continental structures like your SADC, your EAC, your ECAS, and all, and, and all of that, and also the AU, there should be an attempt made to try and train our leadership as to which statements are worth making in public and which ones are not. I'm saying this particularly with reference to the statement made by President Kagame immediately after the assassination of Petro Karagea, where he didn't admit that he was involved, but he indicated that, in fact, all those who were opposing him will be tracked down regardless of where they are, basically meaning that he was in one way or the other involved. So then those kinds of talks, in fact, perpetuate the kind of problems we're facing. So basically the first thing for me will be to tone down the language from the leadership. And then secondly, of course, the point made by Advocate Mantula is well taken, that our intelligence officers have to be on the high alert because some of the individuals who infiltrate our countries, not only South Africa, do so under false pretenses. So therefore, the screening process should be tightened. And then, of course, there should be an attempt made by our security agencies to coordinate the kinds of activities that are happening and share information so that if South Africa has a problem and then Mozambique is aware of the problem, then they should share that information. That's the only way we can solve this problem. Otherwise, if we wait for the Western governments to help us, then we might as well forget. Dr. Becky Mgomizulu, thank you very much for joining us this past hour. He's a senior lecturer and academic leader for international and public affairs in the School of Politics at the University of KwaZulu-Natal. Dr. Mgomizulu, a great pleasure to speak to you this morning. Thanks for your time again. Thank you very much for, for having me. Dr. Weston Shailu, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll end off with you. So we had uh, a revisiting of language, perhaps our laws of diplomats tightening our foreign policy. Anything you'd add to that and how we fix this situation? And is there a willingness to fix it even? Then, Dashini, it's worth noting that uh, before now, South Africa has not had any diplomatic row with a foreign country mm. up to, of, to this magnitude. So for 95, when South Africa had a diplomatic row with Nigeria over the hanging of uh, Ken Sarawiwa and the Ogoni 8. So South Africa's diplomatic forays in the rest of the continent really are based on cooperation over non-confrontation. They believe in collaboration, which why they eschew things to do with moral rectitude and, uh, you know, telling the rest of the continent what to do. And that's what, for instance, some of the listeners may not understand, that confrontation, uh, hegemonic aspirations on the rest of the continent may not serve South Africa's uh, interest. But the challenge is that Inasmuch as South Africa believes in the vision of Africa, which is united, peaceful, and prosperous, and which believes in the rule of law, uh, there are some countries that don't don't subscribe to that, unfortunately. Because, for instance, uh, sending people on a foreign soil to engage in activities similar to the one that Rwanda is being accused of, that is, that's, that's totally against international justice, against the rule of law, so these are the challenges. There's a vision that South Africa tries to promote to the rest of the continent, which unfortunately 
uh, a good number of countries on the continent do not believe in. So that's a challenge. But as it were, unilateralism will not work. South Africa believes in multilateralism, believes in solving uh, conflicts through dialogue, through structures, the AU and its affiliate structures. And so I believe these structures um, will be strengthened with the time and uh, resolve some of this conflict that we're seeing, not only this one between South Africa and uh, Burundi and Rwanda, but others that will emerge. But the mm. challenge is that uh, uh, the rule of law, unfortunately, does not inform political behavior on the continent. That is the challenge. So when the president, uh, the president of South Africa, Jacob Zuma, says even the most advanced democracies fight when diplomats misbehave, it means that these embassies are not going to close. We're not going to be issuing travel advisories, if you would, to go to Rwanda or Burundi. We're not going to be closing off our diplomatic ties, our economic ties with these countries. We know that we're looking towards Africa to grow regional integration, our economy as well. So it's, we're not going to end off our ties with no, these countries. No, we won't sever those ties. Dr. Shilau, thank you very much for joining us this morning. It's been a great pleasure to speak with you. Dr. Weston Shilaho is, uh, of course, with the University of Johannesburg. He's a fellow associate in African diplomacy and foreign policy. And earlier on, I was joined by uh, Dr. Becky Mgomizulu, senior lecturer and academic leader uh, for international and public affairs at uh, the School of Politics at the University of KwaZulu-Natal. Some SMSs to leave you with this morning. This came in from Chris saying, uh, democracy is the rule of the people by the people. Therefore, the people must know. Government has no right to withhold information. Governments are not gods, they're saying. Chris, uh, James writes to me saying, we are too busy trying to enforce our laws on other countries by harboring criminals who face death penalties in their countries. James, they're writing in. And here's another unsigned SMS. If I was the president of South Africa, I would send all invaders back to their countries. 34701, that's where you are writing in those SMSs. You can also continue the conversation on Twitter this morning. Uh, follow us there, AM Live on SAFM is our Twitter and Facebook handle. And remember, during the forum at you can always use this number, 0891 That's where we wrap up this discussion for the week. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll join you again Monday to Friday, 6 to 9 a.m., a very important weekend. Ukraine going to be having a referendum to decide whether they split from, uh, well, whether the Crimea splits from the Ukraine and joins Russia. Very important story. I'm sure the markets will be excited when we speak to them on Monday. We'll find out more when we join you between 6 and 9. From the team then, Nswaki Ku Apiwa Honono, Tracy Boomgar, Jake Mokomo, and Murumo Kekana, senior producer Abriel Mpofu. Forum producers are Ronald Piri and Tlengiwe Mabasu, technical producer Judy Motupi, specialist producer Budzi Lokoto, and executive producers Busisi Chani and Aubrey Sechia. I'm Dasha Mudli. Have yourself a fantastic day. Stay tuned. Your 9 o'clock news is up next with Vibakshini Chetty. And then it's morning talk with Rowena Bird.